as a parent, you think you kind of want to raise them at first to protect them from, you know, all the harshness of the world. But you realize they start to trust you more when you're real with them. I mean, of course, you have to soften the edges of some topics to be appropriate, but to be to respect their intelligence, I think they kind of I noticed they really respect and trust you that you're kind of telling them some of the hard truths about the world that they're already know from their friends and whatnot or media. And so I think it's important to just open the dialogue, you know, with literature. I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Over on our website, we've just wrapped up our first summer book club pick. It was the graphic novel, City of Dragons, The Awakening Storm. So many of you wrote in with questions for the creators, Jamal Yogis and Vivian Trong. And in this episode, I got many of those questions answered for you. So here's a little bit about the author and illustrator. Jamal Yogis is the author of Saltwater Buddha, The Fear Project, All Our Waves Are Water, and the children's book series, Mop Rides the Waves of Life and Mop Rides the Waves of Change. His writing has also appeared in The Atlantic, ESPN Magazine, and The Washington Post. He lives in San Francisco. Vivian Trong is a comic artist who has created artwork for Riot Games, Miho Yo, Rebellion, and more. Her work includes the Punches and Plants webcomic series for the popular game League of Legends. She also works as a storyboard artist for game studios, a digital production studio, and a children's book publisher. She currently lives in London. Before I share the conversation, here's the book synopsis for City of Dragons, The Awakening Storm. Grace and her friends must protect a newly hatched dragon from mysterious evildoers. When Grace moves to Hong Kong with her mom and new stepdad, her biggest concern is making friends at her fancy new boarding school. But when a mysterious old woman gifts her a dragon egg during a field trip, Grace discovers that the wonderful stories of dragons she heard when she was a young girl might actually be real, especially when the egg hatches overnight. The dragon has immense powers that Grace has yet to understand, and that puts them both in danger from mysterious forces intent on abusing the dragon's power. And now it's up to Grace and her school friends to uncover the sinister plot threatening the entire city. Well, hello, Jamal and Vivian. You guys have no idea how excited I am to have you on the podcast. There's a couple of reasons. One is we have never hosted a book club article on our website before at the Children's Book Review. And so your book, The City of Dragons, was the first book that I picked. And the other reason I'm excited is that we have had graphic novelists 
on the podcast, but we actually didn't have them on to talk about a graphic novel. We had them on to talk about a picture book. So you are our first graphic novel uh, guests we have. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us, Bianca. What an honor. Thank you, Bianca. Yeah, an absolute pleasure. The other really amazing thing is because we had you on or your book featured on the website for a book club pick, we actually asked our readers on the Children's Book Review to write in with questions and we got over 200 questions to ask you. And we're obviously not going to go into all 200 today, but we have a bunch. So every question I ask you today is actually from a fan. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm impressed. Thank you so much. So the first question, this is a question that, as you know, a lot of authors and illustrators get asked. And so we got this question a lot. So I don't have a specific name to attach, but there were a lot of readers, including my own daughter, who were curious about the inspiration. So Jamal, since I'm guessing that the story began with you and your idea, what was your inspiration behind the City of Dragons? Oh my gosh. Well, there's so many, actually. It's a little bit of like, there's less of like one seed and more like a bunch of seeds that got planted that sort of like grew into a dragon bush. I would say one of them is, you know, growing up reading fantasy novels and wanting to write one really badly. (laughs) That's the first. But then um, I'm also, I love the ocean. I love to surf. And I go back to this one experience a lot where I was, I went to college in Hawaii and I was going out to a, a break that was pretty scary. It was the secret spot that the waves broke really gnarly on by the rocks. And an Australian friend who was much better than me had taken me out there a few times and I was feeling comfortable enough to go alone. But then I got out there alone and I was like, I should not be here. And then one other surfer paddled out, this real gnarled guy. And I was like, this guy's face is kind of making me feel like I should go back to. Anyway, we were bobbing out there and he didn't have the most friendly expression, but he just goes, you see him out there. And I go, what, you know, does he see a big wave? And he goes, dragons. <gasps> and I had no idea what he was talking about, but then he goes into this whole thing about how he read dragons in the wet, in the clouds, and that they told him, you know, when the waves were going to be good, etc. And then later when I had been, I studied at a Chinese Buddhist monastery, like for almost a, lived there actually for almost a year after high school, I had been steeped in a lot of dragon stories. And I connected that to dragons being like sort of bringers of weather and rain and behind the elements. But that moment of seeing how this guy like actually experienced that in the, in the water was really cool. And actually we had a great time surfing that day. And I think um, when I, I was working as a journalist before this and when it came time to like get up the courage to go and write my first fantasy story. Uh, That was one of the seeds that I knew I wanted to do a story about dragons and weather um, or, or the elements rather. And I also wanted to do a story about like friendship and a a crew because you know a big influence 
um, from when I was a kid was like the Goonies and other stories yeah. where the, you know, the kids had a banded together to, to save the world kind of thing. Everything you just said, I can see little nuggets of those seeds in the book and how it all came together. So I loved your response. I do want to say too, that actually though, that was sort of the seeds were planted. And then I wrote a sort of backbone of a story. And then Vivian and I, when we met, we she had experiences with dragons that, that she could talk for equally longer than me, I think, about her um, connections to dragons and things. So we stepped back and we really made the story uh, a collaborative process. So I had sort of the first... Um, first go at it. First go at it. But we've it's since become a collaboration, which has been such a pleasure and I think has made it a lot better. One of the first questions I have from somebody that wrote in is is about the dragons, but I do just want to ask a quick question before I go on to this dragon question. Vivian, how how did you get connected? I believe you both have the same agent and, and I'm curious what drew you to the story, why you wanted to create the art. I got an email from Jamal one day and he, so he basically presented the script to me. It was kind of like a screenplay at first, but after reading through it, I just kind of like knew immediately, like I really wanted to work on it. It just, for me, it felt like, like a story that I have always wanted to read or like see on TV or something like that. Like as a kid, I used to love dragons a lot. <laughs> and um, I always like watched a lot of like cartoons growing up, like Pokemon or whatever. And like, I just always loved like kind of like fantasy creatures and and dragons were like a huge part of it. Also like um, because they're really big in like Chinese uh, culture as well. So I kind of felt like I was always sort of surrounded by dragons in a way. And I did kind of feel like that kind of connection to them. It was just really exciting for me to see like a whole story about um, dragons and also like a um, like a Chinese protagonist as well, because it just felt like I could finally see kind of myself in the story is like something yeah I would have loved to have seen growing up I have this question from Martin Bodner who's from Connecticut and so Vivian I want to direct this question to you since you do seem to have a deep connection with dragons and he he wants to know what do dragons mean to you oh to me they're like these really kind of powerful beings like they're just like really fantastic you know like I always used to dream that one day a dragon would come and like whisk me away from all my problems you know <laughs> where with dragons um because every time I went to like a family event or something like that every time you went to like like one of those like Chinese restaurants or celebrate Chinese New Year like you could see so many like kind of like dragon motives everywhere I did feel like that's kind of like how I felt really kind of connected to them like it really felt like I was like kind of born from dragons and dragons were meant to find me and I was meant to find dragons like I had that kind of like connection to them that's how I feel about them that's really beautiful actually you mentioned also like how you felt Vivian that this was so great to see a Chinese protagonist and I want to say that the reason I picked your book for the first book club pick was because I loved the diversity of the characters I'm Australian I'm actually Australian American and so I loved that there was these characters that had come from the U.S. You know, they weren't Caucasian and they were in Hong Kong. And then the other characters that they met there were also from other backgrounds. And I just that's what that's what drew me to wanting to share your story with everybody. Jamal, I'm going to go to you for the next question, which comes from Linda Gorthrop from Pennsylvania. She 
wants to know more about this girl protagonist. She says, was choosing a girl hero intentional? <laughs> That's a great question because actually um, I chose a boy protagonist. I think just at first knowing like a boy's experience of coming of age better. And actually the very first protagonist was not when I was first thinking about this story wasn't Chinese either. Like, I think I was looking at it more through the lens of my life. But I also, as it evolved and Vivian and I started chatting, we decided to change some of the characters. I always wanted a really diverse story, an international story. I think because my favorite, I was an exchange student in uh, my senior year, and it was this exchange program in France that brought together kids from all over the world. So we were in Paris, and there were kids from Thailand and Japan and Scandinavia and all over. And it was like the greatest experience of my life. It was so eye-opening. So I think I wanted to recreate some of that. And when Vivian and I got together, we said, well, let's step back and really make sure, you know, this story is ours. And one of the ideas we both had actually was to make the protagonist a girl. I don't even, we didn't even really have a reason per se, other than it felt like it could, like, we were like, let's try this on. <laughs> and I knew Vivian really likes drawing um, girl, women and girls too. And it's, I love her art. So we just thought, let's try this out. And we flip-flopped it and we switched a few of the characters around from my original story, their genders. And it was an interesting exercise because I thought, oh, we're going to have to change everything. But actually a lot of the, um, the core of the story didn't shift that much. It was more just sort of changing uh, uh, like Grace's attitude and some other things about her um, that make her who she is. But it was interesting that we did. I think we changed less than we thought we would. Yeah, she was always the same. I mean, just to jump in, I think one of the reasons actually was originally the story was three kids, but I felt like we needed someone from Hong, Hong Kong background. That's when we kind of introduced Jing. And for me, I felt like we should have maybe uh, the protagonist's girl and then she kind of like, like a uh, like a friendly female like relationship with another girl because like I think oftentimes it's going better now but you see a lot of uh, stories where especially with like kind of the main girl and like another girl side character they don't talk at all they don't interact and every time they do interact it's like it's always about boys or something like yes. that so I kind of felt like yeah so she, I felt like it would be good to show like her to actually have like a friend to like relate to normally like how normal kids would do. The gang is four and it's two boys and two girls and it does feel just such an even playing field. Quintessentially the girl characters do have their feminine traits and the, the boy characters have their male traits but everybody's just like on an equal playing field and I, I really enjoyed that aspect. So I have a question from Lola Schultz and yes you might recognize the last name. She is Lola <laughs> Schultz from Colorado and she says who is your favorite character and are any of them inspired by by your childhood. Mm. You want to go first, Vivian? Oh, yeah. I say this every time. Ramesh is my favorite, um, uh -huh. the London kid. And he it's because he reminds me of um, all these, like, boys I kind of grew up with. They're just, like, kind of 
smart Alex, you know, <laughs> like he's a total smart Alex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I just love that. He just, I, I mean, I feel like Jamal writes him really well. He just kind of says all of these like things that he, you know, he doesn't really like think about at first. And sometimes it can be like kind of hurtful or whatever, but you know, I think he does have like that kind of sensitive side too. that kind of, he does learn to like rein it in and he does eventually apologize as well. Yeah. I liked that part actually where, you know, he is, like you said, he's a smart Alex. Sometimes he probably says things that maybe he should just think and not say out loud. And I love that that's kind of addressed. And and even though there's a learning curve for his character, he he's still Ranesh, you know, yeah. at his core. He's still a smart <laughs> Alec no matter what. I always love those kind of characters. Yeah. Jamal, yeah. How, how about you? Well, I also love writing Ramesh. I've always... I've always had one friend like Ramesh and actually one one of my friends who um, not from childhood who's from uh, my current life actually reminds me a ton of Ramesh and I think he gives me some material because he's just constantly sarcastic and funny and I but I also think these four characters I also really love I, I love all four of them equally and I sometimes feel like they're what's that film Inside Out where they're the different parts of of yeah our own internal dialogue like there's the, Ramesh is the part of you that just is like smart Alex streaming stream of consciousness that you hold back yes <laughs> sometimes and sometimes <laughs> don't and James is like that intellectual drive that's you know just wants to know more but also really understand the world so you can do good and Grace is like I think really looking into her heart about like, what is my purpose? You know, where, why am I here? And um, trying to understand herself. And Jing really is like, represents to me sort of like that really loyal friend who she's a little bit. Um, she like looks out for everyone. Looks out for everyone and is sort of like not willing to sacrifice her being, being the star or being for her friends, you know, just, just put others first. So and, and they and they're bigger than that too. But sometimes I feel like those all, all four, two of them are on each shoulder, like talking to me through my my day. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Well, so uh, I have a question from Gloria Patterson. Uh, she says, "Is are there any chance in the future books will the group of friends go to different locations like Australia?" And there is definitely a chance of that. They do they do move around and. Um, I don't want to say commit to any particular locations because we're, <laughs> we're still in flux, you know, but the they do go to a new continent in the second book and I, their travel continues as the series goes on. Vivian and I have both been lucky to travel to other cities and that was hugely influential, I think, in who we became. And we hope whether kids can travel or not. Um, literally that these books can be a way of sort of traveling and getting out of out of your usual surroundings. One of the really cool things about dragons is that they like almost every culture on earth has some sort of dragon mythology. So that's also an exciting aspect that we want to explore. Yeah. I remember growing up in Australia and we would read these amazing Aboriginal stories. And for us, it was the serpentine. And Ooh, yeah. I found those stories just, they really moved me as a kid. I loved that sort of mythical, I, but it also felt real anyway. I, uh, I yeah. have a, I have another question from let's 
go with Janelle Lafferty from Virginia. And she is curious about what part of the book was the most fun to write. And I would also love to add for you, Vivian, what was the most fun part to illustrate? So either one of you can go first there. Uh, For me, uh, I really loved illustrating uh, the four dragon kings coming together. Um, it's kind of like a flashback in the book, uh, but it was really fun to like draw them together and like seeing how they kind of like fight against like the the bad side. Basically, that was really fun to draw. Jabal, I remember really liking that in the in the first book. It's it's hard for me to remember because now I'm writing the summary <laughs> the <laughs> third, um, but. Uh, liking that scene in the attic when they finally when the kids like get up there and they're really having this heart to heart and sort of like the walls kind of are coming down for them emotionally and they're connecting and I remember a lot of times as a kid with friends like if you had a fort or you had like a a, a tree somewhere to get away from parents and school like things it just an atmosphere came about that was like we're going to talk about things that we don't usually. I remember having fun with that one. It was challenging too, to figure out how do I not make this hokey, you know, like where it's like, okay, the music slows down. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, when I finally felt like that was happening, you know, and they light a candle and also the dragons there and like, yeah. I I like that scene a lot. I I do notice that there's a really great balance of sort of drama and action. And when you said you didn't want it to be hokey, that you know, there's those sentimental parts, but they're done so delicately and it all blends really well together. Like, and I feel like that's what makes a story exciting is that it has these multi-levels and multi-dimensions versus it just being like action all the way nonstop, right? I love where you get to just take a moment and pause with the characters and get to know them. Um, so I thought, I thought you both did that so well. Thank you. That Thank means you. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I like, uh, I think it's great. It's a, it's, it's harder than I, <laughs> I have so much more respect for storytellers who do that well, um, because it's not easy yet. We're going to try to, and trying to develop that further as the characters grow is, is challenging, but we're, we're doing our best and um, it really pushes the limits of your brain, I think, because you have to use, tap into your own emotions, you know, so we're trying, that means a lot. Yeah, well, and, and I think it's um, important as well for uh, kids books to have these kind of moments because um, because you're writing about kids for kids this is kind of show these quiet moments are really important it's important to like talk about your feelings you know get to also like get to know each other and like learn about who you are as well so I think um, yeah these nice breaks from all the action as well is just really yeah, um, yeah they're just really important <laughs> yeah absolutely and and also I just will add that learning who you are but also learning who others are because when we can understand and have empathy for others and understand the challenges that somebody else might be going through like that's such an important lesson for childhood to stop and yes take care of yourself but also be able to look outside of yourself and and see how others are feeling and what they have going on so I, your book shows that too yeah absolutely um yeah. thank you that's a huge highest compliment
here's a question that Elizabeth, I hope I say your last name right, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ivanovich from California. She asks, what made the graphic novel medium ideal for this story? Well, one, I'd say that just uh, Vivian's art, she's so good. And so if you can have a storytelling partner with those skills, I mean, why wouldn't you? (laughs) But I think... um, as going back to the beginning of when I was trying to create, I actually did start to write it as a chapter book before Vivian and I stepped back and really started co-creating it. And it, a friend had said, oh, this sounds like a great film. And I was kind of struggling with like, what's the beginning, middle and end? Just it was getting a little bit complex. And so I wrote it. At, he said, it sounds like a movie. And I wrote it as a screenplay. And that was the format I actually gave to Vivian to check out. Because what happened was I thought, well, it'd be cool to do both, right? I'd love to see it as a movie and a book. And maybe the screenplay version will help me get kind of clear on the plot. And then I ended up really liking the pacing of it. And, you know, I I collected comics as a kid and loved the format. I thought, well, if if I could team up with somebody, you know, who whose art I really like, and then Vivian was just amazingly available and then also helped me, you know, so much with the story that it seemed like a no-brainer. Yeah, I I, I could see why it felt like a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> so so Vivon Sophomasay from Arizona asks, how did you come about in choosing the title of your book? Well, uh, Hong Kong is like a city of dragons literally they some of the buildings have like holes in them and the skyscrapers and it's like to allow dragons to fly through them because dragons are often thought of as good fortune and and like you know dragons are such a big part of chinese culture that um but hong kong really embodies that in the architecture and so when we decided to have it there it just seemed like so fitting and and then we also talked about wanting to go to other cities and yeah um, so it seemed uh we, we toyed with a lot of different titles in it but that one just kept sticking do you remember uh any other aspects of deciding on that vivian i i don't remember city of dreams but i do remember uh trying to decide the the kind of what's it the subtitle the awakening storm right i think that that took a while to yeah. figure out as well but i've always yeah i've always the name city of dragons because you kind of immediately think of like hong kong in a way but also it does leave it open for them to explore uh like around the world because like the whole idea is that the dragons they don't just live in uh hong kong they're, they actually they're kind of all around us like everywhere in the world they just they're just like kind of sleeping in a sense yeah. so it'd be really fun to kind of like explore that one day yeah, that's so fun. I, I you I like I feel like that is the hardest part about titling a book is that you want something specific enough that it sort of gives you a hint at what the story is about, but also broad enough that you don't get trapped if you're planning a st- series <laughs> and also broad enough to sort of give appeal and almost create allure and mystery. So um, I love the the subtitle, The Awakening Storm. I thought that was great. I really like it now. I remember feeling like uncertain as we were going out with it and having a lot of anxiety, like you're committing to it for the series, you know, like is it right but yeah now I'm really really happy we did it well so here's a question for you Vivian this is from uh let's see well actually I'm going to combine two questions so Jennifer McKelvey Galindo from Indiana 
and Mary Wright from Florida were very intrigued by your color choices. They kind of both in a roundabout way asked what are your, well, what's your favorite color that you used creating the book? I mean, I don't know if it was obvious or not, but my favorite color is actually yellow or kind of like an orangey yellow, but (laughs) Um, so the whole idea, because I, I actually felt the colors were really important in the book, uh, in the story, because the whole theme of uh, Nate and Grace, especially was kind of like her bond with her dad and how they used to look to surf together. So I thought felt it was really important for for, for Nate to have that, that kind of water theme to like really, you know, to kind of like commemorate her dad. And so like she has like a lot of like blue objects like her back black backpack I mean is um is blue and then Nate is blue obviously and then you'll just kind of see hints of that like maybe around her room or just like the items that she uses like I have a lot of like kind of like ocean decorations so I use like the kind of yellow to kind of sort of hint at the yellow emperor like that's her like her jacket so it kind of has like that kind of connection and the gray I felt like Grace is, she's still kind of growing up. She's in that little bit of like that kind of skater girl phase. So she doesn't want to like stand out too much. And I, for me, it also sort of signified like her grief over her dad. So she's still kind of like going through that, still kind of processing that. So that was kind of like how I decided Grace's colors. And then all the other uh, characters, they each have their own kind of characters as well. Like, uh, like colors. So you can see like Ramesh, obviously he has like the red jacket. So I kind of felt like he was like quite bold and, everything and then James is green I felt like green's a bit more like kind of growth you think of like nature and then for Jing it is like kind of a little bit like pink a little bit blue but you know she's just she just kind of like goes with whatever she's a little she's quite feminine but also she can be quite tomboy as well at the same time so I kind of like that mix but yeah so you see like I actually uh, thought a lot about all the colors so that's why um yeah so I try to ke- ke- I try to keep the book like as vibrant as possible like and then a lot of the colors have their own kind of meaning behind them too yeah I love that you explained all that sort of thought behind each character and 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 you know the shirt <laughs> that they wear that was great I love that you shared that yeah. <laughs> so there's actually I'm going to insert my own question here I was really going to leave this all readers <laughs> I realize nobody asked this question and I'm curious about it because another, I, you know, I mentioned one of the reasons I picked this as a book club pick was because I loved the diversity of the characters and that it was, you know, set in Hong Kong. But another thing that I really like about it is that both of you between the art and the words, you don't shy away from hard topics. And Vivian, you mentioned grief and it's not a spoiler because it happens early on, but Grace's dad does die, right? And, you know, some people, you know, maybe don't like to tackle hard topics in kids' book, but I think it's important. And especially where we've all just come from with such a, you know, with the pandemic and there has been a lot of loss and and grief. And I think not talking about topics such as grief is a disservice to our kids. So I, um, you know, I just would love to hear both of your input on the importance of tackling difficult topics in children's literature. Yeah, I think it's like extremely important. I think um, we shouldn't shy away from these um, topics because the thing is, um, you know, children, they all grow up and they all have to experience um, these kind of problems. And I think we should be able to like talk about it. And also I think uh, people tend to not realize that children are a lot 
smarter than you think they are like they they will learn they might have a lot of questions for you but you know as an adult you should like try to help them like answer these like questions and you know grief is kind of it's just like a part of life and you know we should be able to kind of like explore it more I think um I think Jamal like really wrote like a really amazing story about a girl trying to like keep like the spirit of her dad in her life uh, yeah I hundred just echo that and I mean I was dealing with my own dad's passing when I was writing it as I was as the story was kind of coming into being my dad was getting a stage four lung cancer diagnosis and so it was just that was up for for me and it wasn't uh, and he's also in the military so you know a lot of Grace's dad came from my dad and and that relationship and then and I think the grief process is just so it's so much bigger than you think it's gonna be I think and I and lots of kids are going through grieving I mean they're whatever their pets their grandparents sometimes their parents or aunts and uncles and so you know death is just all around us you can't you know I remember as a parent I have three boys and as a parent you think you kind of want to raise them at first to protect them from, you know, all the harshness of the world. But you realize they start to trust you more when you're real with them. I mean, of course, you have to soften the edges of some topics to be appropriate. But, you know, to to be to respect their intelligence, I think they kind of I noticed they really respect and trust you that you're kind of telling them some of the hard truths about the world that they're already know from their friends and whatnot or media. And, and so I think it's important to just open the dialogue, you know, with literature and, and you have that it's, it's a great way to open up conversations about difficult, difficult topics, stories, you know, um, I think stories are really how we um, process emotions as well. So, so yeah, it's, I could go on forever about this, but yeah, I think, you know, you have, you know, you have to make things age appropriate, but you don't want to blaze over. And I think you also don't want the opposite, which is like gratuitous difficulties or violence without, you know, being able to show the character's like talking about grief or talking about bigotry or you know it's like it's like you don't want to introduce those topics without some processing too I think um so it's a fine fine line I hope we're walking it well it's it's tricky yeah correct me if I'm wrong I think it was James that asks Grace a really direct question about like how her dad died and I remember thinking that I loved that it was added where he said but it's okay if you don't want to talk about it. And I'm paraphrasing, but I think it was James. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that's also a tool that hopefully, you know, some kids will experience where you, you know, like it's like, it's okay to talk about these conversations, but it's also good to honor and respect that somebody may not want to talk about it. And I loved that that character allowed that little moment to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. James is kind of wise beyond his years, but that's also like a cool (laughs) thing about kids is they are really direct. A lot of times they'll be like, you know, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You (laughs) Um, And and I noticed that they're, it's kind of neat that you often feel like, oh my gosh, I should jump in here. Like, don't ask that. But then when you hear kids talking to each other, like they, as adults, we learn sometimes, I think, to censor ourselves to the extreme where it's like, oh, I better not, you know, and, and kids haven't like, 
learned all those niceties yet yeah. so sometimes like they're able to get right to the heart of a matter um, yeah yeah I mean, what I do love like about this book is that like kind of like the whole theme of like grief and I you just feel like with Grace she she's never gone over losing her dad and there's nothing to get over because that's something that's going to be part of you forever and it's about her kind of living with that, that grief and how she's going to move forward with it and I do love um yeah I do love that moment where they do talk about it because I still think Grace doesn't even understand her own feelings like sometimes she has like kind of those bursts of like anger or like sadness and I feel like that doesn't go away in like a year or two or something like that like she could still grow up feeling really sad about her dad but I do love like this whole kind of journey in like City of Dragons is how about is like it's about her like you know becoming um not stronger from her grief but you know just kind of being able to learn how to live a bit yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I think yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So I have a question now that's just more of on a personal topic. And um, this one is for you, Jamal. And it's from Starla Bates in Georgia. And she asks, as a child growing up, who was your biggest influence in life to make you decide on your dream career path? Oh, goodness. Wow. Um, I'd have to say it was my mom who was uh, a big proponent of following your bliss, so to speak, like really going after your passions. And she was always saying, you know, everybody, you know, she was just never emphasized doing something for the money. She just was all about finding your particular gifts or talents and and passions and combine and just letting that mystery unfold about, you know, what you're going to do. And it allowed me to do all kinds of wild things. And I guess experiment, you know, and um, take big risks. And it's a huge risk to get into publishing books, (laughs) you know, because you just, it's particularly fiction because you have to write the whole darn thing before you know anyone's going (laughs) to buy it. And I don't think I would have had the courage to do that if if I hadn't had her voice in my head of, of not just you know, to take those risks and, and follow your passion, but also her, her voice of support, I guess it is, you know, of hearing like you, she was always one to really celebrate our victories. And she was a huge proponent of literature where we had to, we couldn't watch very much TV <laughs> um, until we'd read our books, you know, and I remember <laughs> I could watch some like R-rated movies and stuff if I read the book first. And, uh, <laughs> uh, just really into reading and got us reading and you know so thanks mom and and we should give a shout out to your mop your picture book series um the mop books because your mom is a star in those yes yeah that's also dedicated to mom who taught me about processing emotions you know with mindfulness and getting outside into nature and stuff so yeah just great all around both my parents did and this book kind of is both books sort of go out to both of them but yeah mop is a a children's picture (laughs) book yeah that's um about a kid riding waves but um she uh yeah i'm i'm very lucky to have the parents that i did yeah that's really sweet so Melissa Myers from British Columbia has a question for you, Vivian. She asks, did you study art to become an illustrator or did you teach yourself? So it's, I guess I would say I taught myself more because I did go on to study at university, but that was actually more 
uh, animation, like 3D animation. So it wasn't so much drawing, but I did actually learn a lot of principles of like uh, storytelling, uh, kind of drafting, because you learn uh, a, a process called like storyboarding, which is what they do a lot in TV and uh, animations and film. And that's kind of what helped me with comics specifically with actual drawing it was mostly me on a Friday night like I was like what I'll be like seven years old or something like that just like watching cartoons and just drawing as fast as I can drawing like the characters I'm seeing on screen before they move (laughs) and then you know when the internet boom kind of happened I just kind of started drawing more and more and then you eventually you see a little bit more like community growing or like maybe people making tutorials and that's kind of how I uh, started to learn uh started to get better at art but also, like, you know, shout out to all my art teachers to trying to uh, move me away a little bit from more the, like, cartoons and stuff and actually teach um, teaching me to do uh, more, like, realistic drawings, like, life drawings and, like, learning more of, like, the art principles because that actually kind of does go back into your, like, illustrating style as well. Like, it's really good to, like, learn, um, like, fundamentals before you go crazy and break all the rules. Yeah. I have another question for you, Vivian, from Susan Jang, uh, also from British Columbia. And she's curious about which illustrators and artists influenced you. I mean, from the very beginning, like kind of getting into comics, um, Brian O'Malley, who wrote uh, Scott Pilgrim, like that was like a big influence. Uh, Currently, my favorite artists are people like um, uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell. She wrote, uh, she drew uh, Laura Dean, breaks up with me, Uh, keeps breaking up with me. Then there's like Gillian Tamaki, who drew uh, This One Summer. Uh, These are like kind of like these big uh, comic names. And I really love their art style. I mean, my art style is not really anything similar to theirs, but I don't know. I always find it really like inspiring to see like their way of kind of uh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that, 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 you know, you can be inspired by a style outside of your own and find places that nobody's been to, too, by, by doing that. Yeah. Um, so I, here's my question that I love to always know. And it's ultimately when a reader gets to that, what do you hope? they'll take away from your story. Jamal, do you want to answer that first? Well, that I feel like multi-layered in, in this book, but what I keep coming back to in this series, and again, I'm sort of steeped in the whole spectrum of the adventure now um, as it continues is, is friendship. And I mean, that first line that also that, that Grace's dad passes along, that courage and compassion together are the most powerful force in the universe. I really agree with, yeah. <laughs> with Grace's dad there that, you know, that combination is sort of infinite. And, and it takes both of those, I think, to be a good friend. And Grace and her friends are discovering that in their own way and getting getting to know each other. So I hope that, I mean, like the sort of power of those is infinite. I think like our, it's a, it's also like a lifelong process. So I think that we're all sort of chipping away at. And so I hope that the readers, um, in addition to having a great adventure and great time, sort of feel like they can do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vivian, how about you? What are your hopes? Um, yes. I mean, sort of the same thing. I, I love stories about friendship, especially. So I hope that people who do read the book uh, can take away uh, the fact that you can find strength in others. You can 
you can talk to people like your your closest friends every time anytime you do feel you feel really kind of isolated and alone but you know there are always going to be people uh, out there looking for you uh, looking out for you and helping you so yeah I really hope that people uh, kind of do take away that message that you, you know you're not alone in your struggles that's beautiful I, we we all could do with knowing that sometimes yeah well done yeah. guys I I think the book is outstanding I can't wait to see the next adventure and uh it sounds like there'll be three books is that right more than that I think we're you know yeah we're not sure the exact that. number yet but yeah. there will be more than three yeah Ooh, exciting yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. I mean, we had so many more questions and we could keep talking and talking and talking. So I'm just so grateful for the time that you have both shared with myself and the listeners today. And uh, I hope you'll both be back on the show someday to talk about the future books. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bianca. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And thank you to your listeners for all the great questions. Yeah, Yeah, they were really great. Yeah, they really asked a lot of amazing questions. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find links to order a copy of City of Dragons, The Awakening Storm by Jamal Yogis and Vivian Trong. To see which author and illustrated guests we have coming up and how you can be on our podcast and have your questions answered by authors and illustrators, visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com and search for The Growing Readers Podcast. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To discover more fantastic books, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.